You are listening to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast, a Burning Hallows production. We are your otherworldly hosts, Alora Rain and Kitty Fields. If you like what you hear, please like, share, and subscribe to be notified of future weekly episodes. If you really want to be a legend, go ahead and give us a review on your favorite podcast app to ensure we're visible to other witches. And now, on to the show. Jaquetta of Luxembourg, Elizabeth Woodville, a mother and daughter who would make history rather than allow history to be made about them. Women who took matters into their own hands, no matter what befell them. They asserted their dominance in a world where female dominance wasn't just taboo, but could, and almost did cost them their lives. Tales of divination, spellcraft, and divine lineage to the river goddess Melusine are woven around their names and charges of witchcraft were laid at their feet in the 1400s. But are the tales true? Join us in this episode as we untangle myth from fact and exploring the famous witches from the War of the Roses. Hello, hello. Okay, that one was a tongue twister too. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of names in there. Yeah, a lot of names. Fancy names. This is, I'm so excited for this episode actually, because I love when my history brain and my witch brain get to work together. <laughs> they are twins. I know, they are. And yeah, so... <sighs> This, this is going to be a fun one. Interestingly enough, I just found this out too in my research for this episode because I started researching it and I was like, this sounds like Game of Thrones. So then, of course, curious, I'm like Googling, was George R.R. R. Martin inspired by the War of the Roses for Game of Thrones? And do you know what? He was. He was. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Makes sense. So now looking back at that show, I'm like, oh my gosh, like you can see all these historical figures and the characters that he created. It's insanity. Yeah. Well, hopefully we get to explore that a little bit, right? Yes. And it's just as complicated as Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. And you know, with the Game of Thrones thing, I just feel, I just feel like well, we'll get into that, but I feel like a lot of people are constantly battling for the throne throughout history. So this only makes sense, I guess. Yes. But one of the reasons why we are so fascinated as a society with this period in history specifically is because, well, in, I would say in the historical sphere, right? Be one of the reasons the history world is fascinated by this particular time in history is because this is the first era in which we actually have evidence of their personal lives through first person accounts, personal letters, diaries, et cetera, et cetera. So it's the first huh. time we really get to see all that. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's interesting. I know. 
the more you learn. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. So the first one we're going to talk about is Jaquetta of Luxembourg. So she was the eldest daughter of Peter the first of Luxembourg. He was a count, the count of St. Paul. Um, so she was born into nobility. As a child, one of her uncles, I think it was her uncle, John, he was responsible for the imprisonment of Joan of Arc. Oh boy. Everyone has that uncle John. You know what I mean? Yeah. Starting off strong. (laughs) But the reason I bring this up is because there is, there are conflicting sources, but some sources say that Jaquetta was at Beaurevoir Castle, which was her uncle's castle during Joan of Arc's imprisonment. And some Mm. sources say that Jaquetta may have learned from Joan what it means to stand your ground, but also what it means for a woman to have too much power in the political world. Oh, wow. So, I mean, we, I think everybody knows the story of Joan of Arc even loosely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So didn't end well for Joan, unfortunately. Interestingly on this little piece of the story, three of Jaquetta's female relatives were responsible for Joan's care. And Joan of Arc actually spoke very highly of the women of Jaquetta's family saying that they took very good care of her and they begged John not to hand her over to the English, but eventually money won out. And he, I think he sold her for like, I want to say it was like 10,000 livres. That's nice. Yeah. I love how women were just sold back then. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, at the time she was a a high dollar item. Wow. Hmm. So Jaquetta gets a little bit older where now she's 17 and she gets married to John of Lancaster. He was the Duke of Bedford and the third son of Henry the fifth, fourth, sorry, fourth. I can't read Roman numerals. (laughs) (laughs) Henry the fourth. Okay. So third son of Henry the fourth. He dies in the battle of Rouen, which was part of the hundred years war. We have wars that run into wars in this story. So just try to follow along. And if you're, best. I was going to say, if you are listening and you're having trouble following along and you are part of the BHP Patreon fam, the book of shadows pages this week actually have family trees and timelines attached to them. So you can pull those out and try to follow all this. Good luck. Wow. It's complicated. It's a lot. So anyway, so he dies, but Jaquetta retains the title of <laughs> Duchess of Bedford after her second marriage even. And she also retained her widow's share of John's estates. So we have a duchess who was married to a king's son who has kept her titles and her lands and all of those wonderful consolation prizes. Mm -hmm. Sorry, your husband's dead. Here's some land. 
Right. And did it, somebody want to take that land? No, not from her. Oh, okay. She get, and I'll tell you why in a minute. She was okay. very well connected, very well connected. So her second marriage is to a guy named Sir Richard Woodville, who was a Lancastrian knight. So, oh. she, so she's gone from son of the king to knight of the king. This is a downgrade. So in order to marry this guy, she is risking her reputation, her titles, all of that. Yeah. Question. Yes. He's a, a Lancastrian knight. Yes. Isn't there a Lancaster house or something in Game of Thrones? Or am I making that up? Ah, now we're getting into it. So in Game of Thrones, there is House Lannister. Lannister. Thank you. Okay. House Lannister is representative of the Lancaster house. Oh, ooh, juicy. Yes. So this is another parallel that George R.R. R. Martin used in mm -hmm. Game of Thrones. So when we're talking about houses, right? So we have the House of Lancaster. We have the House of York that we're going to be talking about. We have the House of Tudor that we're going to be talking about. Now, York and Lancaster's banners are both roses one is a red rose and one is a white mm -hmm. house york is the white rose house lancaster is the red rose gotcha so this this concept of houses and banners and all that stuff this is all to inspiration from history right yeah definitely okay so Jaquetta was given these lands from her first marriage on the promise that when she married again, she would seek a royal license from the king to do that. Well, she didn't. <laughs> she didn't. But okay. it, it was easily appeased because what ended up happening was she she gave the king basically a, a she paid a fine. And was like, I'm going to just give you this money. That was your son's anyway. And I'll keep my lands. Thanks. <laughs> hmm. And it worked. Like the king was like, all right, cool. I was, I was pissed off, but now I'm fine. Hmm. Smart then. She ended up having 14 children. Whoa. With Richard Woodville. Wow. And her oldest daughter, Elizabeth Woodville, would become the queen of England. Yeah. So already we're seeing she was born into nobility, took a risk in her second marriage, risk her reputation, et cetera, et cetera. And then she builds herself back up with her eldest daughter, placing her in the right places at the right times. Right. So the Woodvilles became Yorkists when they could see that the Lancasters were losing. So basically they jumped ship. They're like, mm, yeah, the score is, you know, 45 to 10. I think we're going to change sides. <laughs> Traitors. <laughs> hey, it was about survival. True. 
Because if a York king sat on that throne and you were still declarative of Lancaster support, (laughs) goodbye. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. That'd be it. Mm -hmm. That'd be a red wedding, right? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So in the mid 1440s, Jaquetta was the highest ranking lady in court aside from the queen. Why? She was related to both the king and the queen. This is why she got to keep her lands and all that kind of stuff. She was related to both of the monarchs. So she was allowed special privileges and she was a favorite of the queen. And we're talking about Margaret of Anjou when we talk about who the queen was. And there's there's some parallels there in Game of Thrones with Cersei and I was going to ask you that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She was that, she was that kind of woman. Mm. And if we're drawing parallels to Game of Thrones, I would say Jaquetta was absolutely Catelyn Stark for sure. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. So because she was related to both the king and queen, she convinced the queen to convince the king to invent a title for her husband. Okay. So he could get some nobility. So he became Baron Rivers. Right. So, so we see her climbing socially. So that was in 1448. Now we're going to divert and talk about one of Jaquetta's relations, a former sister-in-law. So uh, her name was Eleanor Cobham. She was the Duchess of Gloucester. She was a cross between Cersei Lannister and Melisandre. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Keep that in mind. And I'm Mm -hmm. talking about her story. So she was the mistress and then became the wife to Henry IV's youngest son, Humphrey, the Duke of Gloucester. His job was to protect the child King Henry the sixth. So his job was to ensure that the next King survived. Right. Mm -hmm. So Eleanor was accused of luring Humphrey into marriage and interfering with his free will. She ends up admitting that she consulted some astrologers to divine whether her husband would ever be King, which You don't do that. You just do that. You don't ever ask if anyone else is going to be the king. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) You're literally putting like a freaking battle axe target on your back. Right. Exactly. Sword target, whatever they used back then. She also (laughs) admitted to taking potions from a woman called Marjorie Jordemain, who was dubbed the witch of the eye, but that she took potions from her for conception hmm. to conceive her children. So what does she do? Of the eye. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's an ominous title, isn't it? I know. And I've never even heard of this. This is interesting. Yeah, I know. It's it's good. <laughs> this is stories like this is the reason I fell in love with history. Because for when sure. when you can relate them to pop culture, when you can like soap opera them oh my gosh it's so good (laughs) you're so funny okay so 
after she admits this stuff, she runs, not walks, runs to Westminster Abbey and says, I need sanctuary because I just admitted some shit. You know what I mean? Like, mm, house me, please. Yeah. I don't know why the hell she would have admitted any of this. Like, mm. I would well, have been like, no, I didn't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so she runs to Westminster for sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And at that point, she could only be tried under ecclesiastical law because the real law can't get her in there. Huh? So what is her punishment? And this is where Cersei Lannister comes in. The church actually, the church actually divorced her from her husband, stripped her from her titles and her lands and her status and made her walk barefoot through the streets on market days when the streets would be the busiest, Mm -hmm. holding a two pound candle as penance. What? Yeah. So if you've ever seen Game of Thrones and the scene where she has to walk through through the The city. Yeah, yeah, naked and stuff. Like they didn't make her get naked, but they made her get barefoot and they made her carry a two pound candle while people sneered and booed and whatever else. Yeah, it's kind of like the whole they they stripped her of her titles and lands. And then in Game of Thrones, she stripped her clothes and dignity too, right? So that makes sense. Well, and then Eleanor ends up spending the rest of her life in prison while the two astrologers, who were men, were executed. Good Lord. Yeah. So I mean, they were just doing their job. (laughs) Yes, but they they were deemed to be dabbling in the dark arts. (laughs) okay i guess okay so the reason i brought this up is because this is jaquetta's ex-sister-in-law so she's already linked to somebody who's like "Mm." you know what i mean like "Mm." they already had one well they already had one witch in that family right so for jaquetta accusations of witchcraft actually come in August, September of 1469, after her husband and son are murdered by Richard Neville, who is the Earl of Warwick, and George Clarence, who was Edward's brother, who have now started a rebellion against King Edward. We'll come back to this once I've explained Elizabeth, because it'll make more sense. Elizabeth Woodville is Jaquetta's oldest daughter, right? So let's Mm -hmm. talk about all the reasons why she's accused of witchcraft. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. So she was gorgeous, first of all. (laughs) Yeah. Quoted as being the most beautiful woman in all of the British Isles. Even her enemies agreed to this superlative, I guess you'd say. Right. And if you have the BOS pages... I have done AI renderings of what Jaquetta and Elizabeth Woodville would have looked like around age 30 and 25. So you can see why she may have been given that title at the time. Mm -hmm. Her royal etiquette. So she knew how to work the people, right? So when it was required of her to be formal, she played the part perfectly. But 
in day-to-day life, she was fun. So there's lots of evidence from firsthand accounts that talk about how Elizabeth would be playing games with her ladies in waiting, everything from like nine pins to hide and seek and all of the above. Oh, she does sound fun. Some people said she was greedy, but actually she left the royal coffers in profit in her first year when her predecessor, Margaret of Anjou, left them in deficit. Hmm. So she she actually cut costs a lot. So for example, Margaret of Anjou had 10 ladies in waiting. Elizabeth only had five. Good Lord. So she like, she cut most things in half from what I I mean, I would just take one lady in waiting, you know? Yeah, maybe. But back then there was a whole lot more. Look, you went to the toilet on a porcelain bowl. Oh, in no, a, I just mean nowadays. Big old I, would dress. Take one. I just meant if today I could have ladies in waiting, I would be happy with one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but I was like, I was just saying for back then, you kind of needed mm-hmm. more because life was harder. Exceeding harder. I'm with you. (laughs) Then we get to her marriage to Edward. Like I said, she was considered a commoner, even though her father was a knight. So how she got to the position of marrying Edward, people were like, well, she must be a witch. More specifically, high-ranking officials, royalty, were convinced that she charmed Edward or bespelled him. So she met Edward around 1461. It's the story goes, he came to her home while he was out on a hunt. Basically she ran out under a big oak tree where he was passing by. She had both of her sons in hand and she was begging him to give back the land's that she inherited from her late husband, John Gray, who was Mm. also a Lancastrian knight. Mm -hmm. So we have this Lancastrian family begging Edward, who is primed to be the king, because he's winning, to give their lands back. Okay. You got it? It's kind of hard to follow all these different people, you know, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So Game of Thrones parallel. This will help. Edward and Elizabeth most resemble Rob Stark and Talisa. They were not supposed to be together. Nobody wanted them together. And as a matter of fact, Richard Neville, the Earl of Warwick, was really pissed off when he found out that they got married in secret because he was already promised in contract to a French princess. Hmm. So not only did he not pick the right girl, he screwed up an alliance, which is the same thing we see in Game of Thrones with Rob Stark. True. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you married to keep the peace. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't about you. <laughs> exactly. It's not about you. It's about the people. Come on. 
another interesting thing about their wedding was it was done in secret and only the two spouses, a priest, two gentlewomen, and Jaquetta of Luxembourg were present. And mm-hmm. as for the honeymoon, basically only Jaquetta knew where to take Elizabeth to get to Edward for the honeymoon. Hmm. So it was very hush-hush. Yeah. Because what ended up happening is after that he basically pulls her into court when he gets back from battles and hunting and Uh he's like oh by the way this is my wife and your new queen and everybody's like excuse me what (laughs) you did what (laughs) the other auspicious thing about elizabeth woodville and edward the yorkist prince king well he's king at this point but The other auspicious thing was they got married on May 1st, 1464. Mm. And there are rumors that he had been to a Walpurgis festival the night before. Oh, wow. Okay. I was going to say something about Beltane, but cool. Hmm. Kind of freaky. Yeah, no doubt. But I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... That's even witchier in a way. Mm. Okay. So we're in 1464, but we're going to jump to 1469. 1469, if you remember a little bit earlier, August, September, is when Richard Neville, who is the Earl of Warwick, and George Clarence, who is King Edward's brother, have started a rebellion against Edward. And at the same time, they have murdered Elizabeth Woodville and, well, Jaquetta's husband, Elizabeth Woodville's father, also Jaquetta's son. That's nice. Yeah. So Jaquetta's husband and son have been murdered by the Earl of Warwick and Edward's brother. Okay. They also have Edward in prison. What? Yeah. They have arrested him. They've put him in prison. Okay. So this dude, Thomas Wake, who is a follower of the Earl of Warwick, Richard Neville. By the way, the Earl of Warwick had a nickname, which was the Kingmaker. Hmm. Which, if we go Game of Thrones with it. I was going to say, I know that, yeah. You could say Littlefinger, probably. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, Thomas Wake brings Warwick a busted poppet. Oh, no. It's basically a poppet that the arms have been broken. Oh. Yeah, and says that Jaquetta has two more of these dolls in the Mm -hmm. likeness of Edward and Elizabeth of her own daughter. Daughter. Yeah. Okay. Now here's where it gets super interesting. And this is why I love this woman. She is so smart. And so like, she was always two steps ahead of everybody. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, look, I know that there's no hard concrete proof that she was at Beau Revoir castle 
when Joan of Arc was there, but man, it sure seems like it with how strategic she was. According to Cora Schofield, who cites the London Journal, the Duchess of Bedford, Jaquetta, appealed to the mayor and aldermen of London who remembered the service that Jaquetta had done for the city by interceding with Margaret of Anjou in 1461. So at the same time that she, that her daughter meets Edward, she Mm -hmm. is going to Margaret of Anjou, the queen at the time and interceding on the city's behalf Hmm. to settle some stuff. Okay. So the aldermen and the mayor are like, okay, since you did this for us, And we didn't, you know, it was sticky situation. We didn't want to get involved. We didn't know how to handle it, but you handled it. We're going to come to your defense. So they end up testifying for her. Good, good. Right. Work out. Well, essentially Warwick tried to rule through Edward being in prison, if that makes sense. So he's going out and being like, okay, we need to do this because Edward says while having Edward locked up. Hmm. Like he's, he's ruling in his stead. Right. Right. But very quickly Warwick realizes that this is not going well. People don't like him. He is not, you know, this isn't going the way that he thought it would go. So once the mayor and the alderman come to Jaquetta's defense, and Warwick realizes, okay, the people don't really think that Jaquetta is a witch. Uh, I need to let Edward out of prison so that these people don't kill me. Basically, the charges against Jaquetta disintegrate. Hmm. The whole case falls apart. Wow. Now, that's not the end of Jaquetta's <laughs> witchcraft accusations, but they are the end of witchcraft accusations in her lifetime because the next time that she's accused of witchcraft, she would already be dead for 12 years. Okay. (laughs) I don't know how you're accused of something and you've been dead for 12 years, but. Ah, well, I will tell you. So in 1484, Richard III, who is Edward's brother, draws up Titulus Regius. Edward is now dead. Okay. And Elizabeth's sons are in line for the throne. But Edward's brother thinks that he should have the throne. Hello, Game of Thrones. Don't they all? Oh my God. Yeah. So when Edward dies, he draws up this law to legitimize his claim to the throne. And in this thing that he draws up, this proclamation, he alleges that Elizabeth and Jaquetta procured her marriage to Edward through witchcraft, stating that the marriage was conducted in a private chamber, a profane place, and not openly in the face of the church. This is pretty true (laughs) since it was super secret and only very few people were present. Mm-hmm. And he also drew on the fact that Edward had already been drawn up in contract to another woman, to a French princess, 
So Mm -hmm. technically their marriage was illegitimate. Edwards and Elizabeth's marriage was illegitimate and all the children were illegitimate. I was going to say, so that makes the children not in line for the throne. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Ah, Convenient. Yes. Yeah. Well, not, but you know. Mm-hmm. Wow. So what does Elizabeth Woodville do while this is going on? So this happened in this is happening in 1484 and in the same year, I believe. No wait. 1485. But anyways, either that year or the year after, Elizabeth Woodville betrothes her eldest daughter, Elizabeth of York to Henry the seventh, Henry Tudor, which we mm. all know the Tudor dynasty, mm-hmm. right? Henry the eighth, yes. right? Yes. So Henry the seventh ends up defeating Richard the third at the battle of Bosworth. Mm-hmm. Henry the seventh then marries Elizabeth of York, making her the queen of England. Yes. His first order of business is to take this Titleist Regius, revoke it, and destroy every copy there is. Nice. So that re-legitimizes all of Edward's children. Oh, nice. Okay. Elizabeth Woodville is made Queen Dowager, and she's given back all of her titles and all of her land. Right on. Elizabeth Woodville ends up retiring in an abbey but she is present for her daughter giving birth to several babies, one of whom is Henry VIII. Ah. Mm. Mm-hmm. And we know how twisted he was. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> Bringing it right back around to our episode on Anne Boleyn, right? Right. But I know this is extremely confusing and super Game of Thrones, uh, <laughs> but... It's so dramatic and intense and captivating of the imagination because you're just like, today it's so complicated, but back then, oh my God, you know? Yeah, it's always been complicated, but definitely this is extra complicated. So (laughs) Bridgerton and Game of Thrones and, and, and all put together in one. (laughs) Well, The other thing that I want to mention quickly is there are two shows. There's The White Queen and The White Princess. Both are produced by Stars Network. They're miniseries. They're eight to 10 episodes per series. These miniseries are pretty historically accurate, though they do take some liberties because they are based on fiction works by the same names. So there's Mm -hmm. fiction interwoven in there, but they're pretty close. And what I wanted to say about that though is in those shows in Jaquetta and Elizabeth Woodville's association to the river goddess Melusine is prominent but mm-hmm. I wanted to address it in the podcast because I think it's very interesting so there is no hard evidence that they were connected to the goddess Melusine in any way shape or form hmm. there was a book written in 1393 it was a French book it was an extremely popular ancestral romance that was was about Melusine. And, okay. yep. mm-hmm. and at the time, in the 1400s, anybody who was literate knew about this book. And Jaquetta had a copy. 
Right. So look, there are rumors that the, the river goddess mellow scene was part of Elizabeth Woodville's house crest that she chose when she was coronated, but that's not, it's not in any first hand accounts. So we, we don't know that that's pure conjecture. I mean, it's interesting though, because it aligns with a lot of the other things that we talk about with claiming gods and goddesses as ancestors and Mm. right. You know, definitely. Um, And for people who don't know, Melusine was for all intents and purposes, a mermaid. Yes. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I think she was like also depicted as a serpent and some things too. Yeah. Well, she had, so she had like the lower half of her mm-hmm. was serpent and fin. Okay. And then the torso was beautiful woman. Yes. Okay. Got it. So conclusion here. Yes. Were, were they witches or were they smart? women who didn't take any shit or both or both i mean if you watch the white queen mm-hmm. they also portray clairvoyance in jaquetta's family line quite prominently i don't know i can't say whether that's true or not i think I definitely think that there are some pagan leanings. I don't know if they would have practiced full-blown witchcraft. Right. But I don't think it's an accident that they were married on Beltane. No, definitely not. That's super pagan. And there's several rumors about the fact that he attended a wall purchase festival the night before. Yeah, I mean, with Beltane, even it was the king marrying the land, right? Which was represented by a woman or someone in the form of the sovereignty goddess. So Mm. it is interesting. I really enjoyed this. This was very educational. I, I honestly didn't know much about this aspect of history, so... It's, it's fascinating. It's honestly fascinating. And if you haven't seen the white queen, you will become enthralled with the war of the roses. And just side note, interestingly enough, remember how we were talking about house crests and things. Mm -hmm. So when Elizabeth of York married Henry the seventh, their house crest was a pink rose. Hmm. Because. It was the right. marriage of Lancaster and York. White and red. Gotcha. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. And that's where it ended. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us. Please check out the links for this episode in the info box. Tune in next week for another episode. And remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.